Thank you for listening to City Awakening Podcast. City Awakening is a gospel-centered church located in East Orlando that plants new churches, striving to be a multicultural, multi-generational church. For more information about City Awakening, follow us on social media or visit www.cityawakening.org. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Lewis. I'm the lead pastor here at City Awakening. Welcome to those of you who are on site and those of you who are here watching with us online. Man, it sounds like a hurricane up in here, yeah? (laughs) If you have ADHD like me, it's going to be hard to concentrate, all right? Be like, what? You know? But I will try to talk loudly and try to keep us focused, okay? Um, Even when the rain is falling, can you hear me? Can we put it, huh? Just hang on. All right. Zach's telling me to wait, so we'll wait. Jesus, what a beautiful thing it is to be able to come here and just to hear something as noisy as the rain like that and then to hear it calm and to slow. Jesus, would you calm and would you slow our hearts? Lord, I'm here. The people are here. People are watching online. And I will speak as long as you give us opportunity, Lord. As long as you keep it coming, we will speak your truth and your word. Holy Spirit, would you come? Jesus, we pray this in your name. Amen. Can you hear? Yeah? All right. So we will go as long as we can talk, Um, which can be a while. So... Um, We are starting a new teaching series today, and it's on a book of the Bible called Proverbs. And it's really a book that that teaches us a lot about practical wisdom for everyday life. So that's kind of our our tag for this series. It is is about gaining practical wisdom for everyday life. The reality is, is that every day, you and I are faced with various different choices and decisions that we have to make in life. Some of those decisions are small. Some of it is big, right? Some of the decisions are as small as, you know, what am I going to wear this morning? What am I going to eat this morning? But some of those decisions are big. They can be as big as, where am I going to go to college? What career am I going to choose? Or maybe, you know, should I keep the current job that I have right now? Or should I leave that job and find another job? Now, it could be even decisions on, you know, uh, should I keep dating the person that I'm dating? Should I date this person or not? Should I break up with them or not? Should I get married to this person or not? Every day we are faced with various different decisions, big and small, right? And so it's important for us to make wise decisions in our lives because if you make a foolish decision, it can be destructive and harmful for your life and even those around you. Every decision that we make in life is like a fork in the road. It'll lead us down a path that will either end with bad consequences or good consequences that we will experience in this life. Now, if you are a believer in Christ, if you have a relationship with Jesus, then you know in the end, it's all going to work out good for you in the end of this life, right? Everything, everything's going to work out for your good in the end and for God's glory in the end. But you can still make foolish decisions as a believer in Christ in this life that does not glorify God and that causes you to experience some negative consequences as you are living in this life. And so your decisions as a believer are still critical, even though we know it's going to turn out for our good in the end because of our relationship with Christ. If you are a skeptic of Christianity, you would agree that you need to make wise decisions for your life too. 
You know, I don't know a skeptic who would say, yeah, no, I just need to make foolish decisions in my life and I'll be good. No, even a skeptic wants to make wise decision, decisions for their life too. And if you stick around in this series long enough, you will find some applicable wisdoms for your life too, even as a skeptic. Let those applicable wisdoms point you to, to trust in the very God that these wisdoms are coming from. Proverbs is a book that is about helping us to gain practical wisdom for everyday life, all right? And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn them over to Proverbs chapter 1. If you open your Bible to the middle, you know, you might actually turn right to Proverbs or it's going to be a little bit to the left and a little bit or a little bit to the right, all right? But you'll find Proverbs in the middle part of your Bible. We'll be in Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 to 7 today. And the title of the message, for those of you taking notes, is The Beginning of Wisdom. All right, we're talking about the beginning of wisdom. Where does wisdom, what is wisdom and where does the beginning of wisdom happen? Like, where does it start? And here's the big idea that we're going to see in the text. Wisdom begins with knowing the God of infinite wisdom. All right, wisdom begins with knowing the God of infinite wisdom. I'm going to give you some context as we go. All right, Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 to 7 says this. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Okay, so there we go. We have a little bit of context there, right? We know that these Proverbs are coming primarily from King Solomon. Well, King Solomon was known to be one of the most, you know, one of the most famous, wealthiest, wisest kings in human history. In 1 Kings chapter 3, Solomon asks God to give him wisdom. God gives him that wisdom, and historically we know that people traveled from all over the world to be able to gain from Solomon's wisdom. Solomon is passing some of his wisdom, not all of his, but he's passing some of his wisdom down to us right here in this beautiful book of the Bible called Proverbs. Now, what is a proverb? If we are going to study Proverbs, we need to know what a proverb actually is. A proverb is basically a short yet impactful saying that when we un- unpack it, it has a world of truth in, this, in these little sayings or these little proverbs that we'll read. A proverb is not meant to be read, you know, thinking that it is a promise or a moral imperative for our life. Instead, we're we're to read Proverbs with the understanding that it is Solomon passing on some practical wisdom that that can be helpful for our everyday life. It can be good for our everyday life. Now, Proverbs are not meant to be, the Proverbs of the Bible are not meant to be compared to like a fortune cookie saying, you know, which isn't always true. You know, you get a fortune cookie, open it up, you know, the sayings in that aren't always true. Well, these Proverbs are always true because the entire Bible is always true in the things that it teaches, okay? And so we're not to compare it to a fortune cookie. We're also not to compare it to our pop psychology, you know, culture that we have where, you know, the pop psychology sayings where it's like, you know, just follow your heart. No, because sometimes your heart can mislead you. Sometimes your heart can misdirect you. It can lead you down a wrong path in a wrong direction. These proverbs that we are going to study are much greater than those things, Because they teach us some deep spiritual truths that will never mislead us, never misguide us, never lead us down the wrong path. Now, as we read these Proverbs, so picture this, think about this throughout the whole series. I mean, this is kind of like an intro to Proverbs a little bit, right? As we read all of Proverbs, we need to keep in mind that there's going to be moments we're going to agree with Solomon's wisdom, but we're also going to feel very deficient in living that wisdom out. We're going to have these moments we're going to read the book of Proverbs, we're going to say, man, you know what, I, that wisdom is great. I want to apply that for my life, but I'm feeling deficient in living that out. That is when we need to remind ourselves that we need to ask for Christ's help. See, we will miss the entire point of the book of Proverbs if we don't ask for Christ's help in living this wisdom out. 
So when you read these Proverbs, you find yourself in agreement with these Proverbs and wanting to apply them to your life, and you're finding yourself deficient in living it, you got to ask, hey, Lord, will you help me out with this? Jesus, will you help me to live this in my everyday life? As we read Proverbs, let us ask for Christ's help in living it out. Again, verse 1 says, the proverb of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Verse 2, for learning wisdom and discipline. Okay, so there's the purpose statement. There's the thesis statement for why Solomon is writing this. He says to give us wisdom and discipline. He's wanting to pass some of his wisdom down to us. Now, in the book of Proverbs, the words wisdom and knowledge are somewhat synonymous with each other. One of the main differences between wisdom and knowledge is that knowledge is, is really more about um, gaining a correct understanding of the world that we live in, whereas wisdom focuses on having a correct application of that knowledge that we have. It's using that knowledge that we have in correct ways as we live in this world. What this means is, is it means that wisdom isn't about having a high IQ. It's not about having a high intelligence because you can be highly intelligent and yet still be unwise. You can be highly un- intelligent but still make foolish decisions in life. Wisdom is about, yes, having some knowledge, but it's more importantly, it's about learning how to use that knowledge you have in correct ways. So simply put, if I were to give you a definition, simple definition of what wisdom is, wisdom is knowledge applied correctly. All right? Wisdom is knowledge applied correctly. Now, wisdom in the book of Proverbs is such a rich concept that it has multiple different aspects to it, kind of like the, the multiple aspects of a color of a rainbow, right? We're just going to unpack wisdom as we go throughout this series. It's just going to have all these beautiful aspects to it. And in verses 2 to 6, Solomon is giving us a few of what the different aspects are of wisdom. One of the first things he t- he's actually going to teach us five things in these um, verses 2 to 6 that wisdom entails. And one of the first things he's teaching us right here in verse 2 is that wisdom entails discipline. All right? Part of wisdom entails discipline. The Hebrew word, Old Testament part of the Bible is written in Hebrew, New Testament part is written in Greek. The Hebrew word that is used here for wisdom is uh, musar, it's, or for discipline, I'm sorry, it's musar, M-U-S-A-R. All right, and it means to receive discipline, to receive corrective instruction, right? kind of like in a parent-child relationship or in a discipling relationship. You know, in a, in a child-parent-child relationship, you know, a, ch- a child, you know, children, they need to have some um, discipline and some corrective instruction even though they don't want it, right? Well, in the same way, we need to have some corrective discipline and some corrective instruction even though we don't always want it. Right? We love wisdom, we want wisdom, but we hate correction, right? But you cannot have wisdom without correction because you'll keep making the same mistakes in life over and over again. And so you need and I need people in our, we need people in our lives who are wiser than us that we trust who can give us some good wisdom and even if need be corrective instruction for our lives. Do you have that in your life? Do you have somebody in your life that you trust who is wiser than you, who can give you corrective instruction when it's needed, who can give you wise counsel and wise direction in your life? Are you seeking the world's counsel, the world's wisdom, or are you seeking people who have a a good understanding of biblical wisdom in the Bible? You know, one of the beautiful things about about being in community like this in in a local church is that we can draw from the wisdom that exists in the room. 
Now, we can draw from the wisdom of each other. And if you are, you know, kind of, you know, you're, you're missing out on, on growing in wisdom, if you're just kind of simply coming to church to, to slip in and slip out, you know, not getting involved with the, the local church community, you know, not getting to know the people around you, not getting to be a part and involved in, in a small group here, you know, if you're just simply slipping in and slipping out, you know, if you kind of live that lifestyle in a local church community, you will grow partially individually, but you're missing out on the greater opportunity of growth that can come from being in community with people. Part of growing in wisdom entails you admitting that you don't have all the wisdom. Part of growing in, in wisdom entails you admitting that you don't have all the wisdom and you need the wise counsel of others. Right? You need the wise discipline, the wise correction and instruction of relationships with others who have an understanding of biblical wisdom here. This is what Solomon is saying. All right? He says that, verse 2 again, for learning wisdom and discipline, for understanding insightful sayings. Okay, so another aspect of wisdom entails insight. Right? Insight is, is where we can make calculated decisions instead of impulsive decisions. You know, some of us get ourselves into a lot of, a lot of trouble because we're too impulsive in life. You know, we get a text message from somebody, we misread that text message, and then we respond, you know, impulsively with a nasty reply back. You know, the person didn't even mean anything behind the text that they said, but, you know, you, you maybe took offense to it, got angry, misread the text, and so you respond impulsively with a, a negative text back. You know, and you say, uh-oh, I really, man, delete, 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 you know, but you can't delete it. You sent it, Right. Some of us are very impulsive in the sense of, you know, we'll go through a store, see something we like, or, you know, see something on Amazon, you know, or an infomercial, and then we will impulsively swipe ourselves into debt. When we act on impulse all the time, it can be destructive for our lives. When we act on impulse, it can, it can um, steer us off the right line, right? But insight helps you to read between the lines, be able to make wise decisions, calculated decisions, so you can walk a straight line. Okay, insight also helps us to be able to read a situation well, to read people well. Some of y'all can read people very well, read situations very well, right? Still need to grow in it, right? But insight can help us to read situations well, read people well, read the words behind what people are saying so we can make calculated, good, wise responses to our interactions with other people. You know, one of the people who's taught me the most about insight um, in my life is my own wife, Andrea. You know, she's, she's really taught me a lot about insight, especially uh, when it comes, you know, over the years, this is what she's done, especially when it comes to um, understanding that a lot of, like, the difference between, you know, like men and women, you know, a lot of women, they will have um, meanings behind their words, a lot more depth behind their words than men. Like, if I'm sitting there and I say, I'm hungry, I just mean I'm hungry, Right? Ladies sometimes, well, not all ladies, but some ladies will say, well, I'm hungry, and there's kind of a bit more that's involved in that, right? And so my wife has taught me that over the years and to try and think through people's words. And so just to give you a quick example of where this really started to shift in my life was, you know, um, several years ago, my wife was pregnant, and she, you know, she just, she's asked me, she says, hey, honey, um, you know, you, you want to go to the store with me? And, and see, back then, you know, I was, I was a lot younger, and so I lacked insightful wisdom, and I think I have an option in that, right? So I said no. 
To which she replies, fine, fine then, fine then. You just do your own thing. And I'm like, what just, like, I'm just confused. I'm like, I understand. What just happened? So I asked her. I was like, honey, I, I don't get it. You asked me a question. That question had an option to it. If you wanted me to go, just say you want me to go, and I would have gone. You know, she's like, it's not about that. Well, so then what's it about? I want you to want to go. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Really? Like, I want you to, I can't read that subliminal message stuff behind that. Why? Because I lacked insight. I lacked insight. Back then, I lacked the insight. And now I realize that what she really wanted was just to spend time with me. That was it. She didn't care really about going to the store. She just wanted to spend time with insight, right? How is your insight? How's your insight? Are you more impulsive in your daily life, in your responses to other people? Or are you more insightful in your responses to people? Do you just listen to what your spouse is saying? Do you just listen to what your children are saying? Do you just listen to what your friends and your family members and the people you interact with on a daily basis are? Do you just listen to their words and what they're saying? Or do you really try to understand the heart behind the words that they are saying? Insight helps us to be able to understand the heart behind the words of what people are saying. It helps us to be able to get to the heart of really what is going on. How's your insight? I think all of us can grow in our insightful wisdom. Verse 3, for receiving prudent instruction in righteousness, justice, and integrity. Okay, so this is about growing in instruction, you know, part of wisdom entails growing in instruction, and it gets pretty specific here um, in some specific things, right? Growing in our instruction when it comes to matters of righteousness, matters of justice, matters of integrity, right? So this means that, that part of wisdom entails an ethical component to it, right? This means that when we make decisions, then we need to make wise decisions in favor of righteousness, in favor of justice, in favor of integrity, Right? This, this means uh, making ethical decisions when it comes to your work, you know, th- time, decisions you have to make at your work, decisions you have to make in, in school, never being willing to sacrifice your ethical integrity for selfish gain in your work or even to gain popularity, uh, to maybe appeasing the masses or appeasing the, the, the peers that are around you. Let me, just, you know, let me just make this decision to try and fit in with other people, to try and gain the, the approval of, of other people. No, this is about, um, about you know, being ethical in all the decisions that we make, both in work, in our schools, and in life in general. See, this means that, that Proverbs is more than, than just a book about gaining practical wisdom for everyday life. It also entails us wanting to make ethical decisions, living an ethical life in Christ-like ways, operating our businesses, operating our relationships, operating our, interac- our interactions with others in, in ethical ways that are Christ-like for the benefit of others and for the glory of Christ. All right. How is your, your ethical uh, wisdom? You know, are, are you uh, trying to um, not be ethical in certain decisions and interac- interactions you're, you're having so that you can, I mean, especially in corporate America, 
Some of you, you know, you may have to, you, you feel like the pressures of having to cheat the system or something else so that you can, you know, climb the corporate ladder or whatever it is, right? How is your ethical wisdom? Are you making decisions that will benefit others and bring much glory to Christ? All right, this is about ethical wisdom. Verse 4, for teaching shrewdness to the inexperienced, knowledge and discretion to a young man. Okay, so wisdom also entails shrewdness and, and discretion. Now, the Hebrew word here for shrewdness means um, prudence and, and discretion. All right, so this is about really being strategic in our wisdom, strategic in our decisions that, that we make. You know, it's about, about, you know, sometimes we can say and do the right things, but we can say it and do it in a non-strategic way or with non-strategic timing, right? Part of wisdom entails us saying and doing the right things, knowing what to do and knowing when is the right time to do it and the strategic way to do it. And that's what it's talking about here. I mean, is it, is it really uh, good timing? You know, do you really need to spend your time, you know, responding to that hater on Facebook, that troll on Facebook, you know, and, and when you have other pressing matters to deal with? You know, is it really good timing to, you know, pounce on your spouse or your kids right when they walk through the door of your home, you know, about all your anger and your frustrations that you have towards them, maybe because of something that they didn't do in the day, but you're angry and you're frustrated towards them. So as soon as they walk in the door, you pounce on them like a lion pounces on its, on its prey. Or is it better for you to wait? Is it better for you to let them walk in the door, put their stuff down, you know, maybe wait a little bit later on in time? Are you dealing with conflicts in work? Maybe a conflict with a boss or a conflict with an employee, and you're just ready to pounce over it, as opposed to, you know what, let me, let me maybe take them out to lunch. Let me maybe take them to coffee and, and, and get to their heart and have a conversation with them about this thing in, in a non-attacking kind of way. It's not that you um, waver on the truth, but it's that you're strategic in when you are declaring that truth. See, this is shrewdness. This is, this is prudence. This is discretion. How is your strategic wisdom, how is your discretionary wisdom in timing in the relationships that you have? Having strategic wisdom, you know, prudent wisdom, discretionary wisdom in timing can go far in life. It's about knowing when we need to speak up how we need to speak up, and when we need to be silent sometimes and maybe pick it up another day, all right? This is a kind of wisdom that Solomon's talking about. Verse 5, let a wise person listen and increase learning, and let a discerning person obtain guidance for understanding a proverb or a parable, the words of the wise and their riddles. All right, so this is um, one of the fifth and last things that, that we'll teach you here that wisdom entails. I mean, we'll, uh, Solomon's going to unpack a lot of this stuff even further as we go, and he'll teach us other things about wisdom as well. But wisdom also entails uh, increased learning. All right, wisdom entails increased learning. Why? Well, because you cannot have wisdom without knowledge. You can have knowledge without wisdom, like we just said, right? You can have a lot of knowledge but not be wise, right? You can have knowledge without wisdom, but you cannot have wisdom without knowledge because you will be uninformed. Uh, you, you will uh, not know certain things regarding the situation, and when you are uninformed about a situation, it'll lead to unwise decisions that you'll make in that situation, and so part of wisdom entails us continually wanting to grow in learning, grow in wisdom. 
We want to be able to learn and grow from others. It's being, having that teachable spirit. That's what this is really about, teachability, right? We, we want to be willing to always learn and grow from others, no matter how old we get or no matter how wise we think we are. You know, sometimes people think that wisdom just has to do with age. No, it doesn't. Sometimes wisdom does come with age because of experience and life that you've been through, but some of the older generation, you can learn from the younger generation. Younger generation, you can also learn wisdom from the older generation. This is one of the reasons why we don't do our small groups in our community based upon age or affinity. We do it based upon zip code because we believe both young and old can learn from each other, can learn wisdom from each other. Teachability, no matter how young you are or how old you are, you know, are you teachable? Are you willing to grow in wisdom? And I'm going to just um, say this quick blurb for just a minute. Um, I think the younger generation, you have to be careful not to ignore the desire to grow in wisdom. Because I think we are living in a society, in a culture right now, where that doesn't matter. Where it's like, you know, who cares about wisdom, man? You know, you just do whatever you want to do. Do whatever makes you feel good. Do whatever makes you happy. And all knowledge and all truth and all wisdom is really subjective. It's up to you and what you believe in. No, because that can be destructive to your life. Because if you think about it, well, then who's ever right? Whoever gets to say, no, you know what? That is wrong. And what happened here in society is not okay. And we should not put up with that. You can't say that if we live in a culture where nothing is true, where nothing is knowledgeable, where nothing is wise, where it's all subjective. No, as a younger generation, you should also want to grow in wisdom because there is knowledge out there, there is truth out there, and there is a wise way to live your life and a foolish way to live your life that will be destructive to you, your relationship with God and with other people. Wisdom is, is important for every generation. How is your wisdom? How is your teachability? Are you willing to listen and learn and grow from other people? Or are you a know-it-all? You think you know it all. No, you don't. All right? If you are teachable, you will grow in wisdom. Now listen, these, these, all of these aspects of wisdom that we just talked about here, that we just kind of blurbed, like I said, we will find ourselves feeling deficient in living these aspects of wisdom out. I mean, if I were to just sit here and talk to each of you and say, you know, hey, do, you know, is, is, this, is there some of these things that you want to grow in? Do you, you know, would you want to grow in these areas? You know, yeah, yeah, I, I do. But you're going to be deficient in those things, which is why we need the help of God. And this is exactly where Solomon turns next. Verse 7 is key. It's critical. It's something that we're going to see come up again throughout the book of Proverbs. Listen to what Solomon says, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. He says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. What he's saying is, is if you want to grow in wisdom, you want to grow in these differences, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, automatically, we start thinking to ourselves, because we're not used to this. We're, we're used to the, you know, cute little cuddly baby Jesus kind of thing, you know, and I don't ever fear the Lord, right? So we don't really talk about the fear of the Lord much. And so we usually talk about fear in a negative sense, but here it's meant to be actually in a positive sense. It's meant to, to be described more of a, of a fearful awe of the Lord, Okay, kind of like when you stand on top of a mountain. And when you stand on top of the mountain, you are in awe over the mountain's beauty, while at the same time, you are fearful of the magnitude of the mountain, knowing that if you stumble or you fall, it'll crush you. 
The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that Jesus came and he died for our sins on the cross so that we don't have to live in the fear of the magnitude of God crushing us when we stumble in sin. If you don't believe in the gospel and you don't have faith in Jesus Christ, then you have to fear that magnitude of God. You have to fear that side of God, of God crushing you because of sin. Because eventually God has to put an end with sin. Eventually, God has to deal with the sinfulness of the world and put an end to it. Otherwise, heaven will not be heaven, it'll be hell. I mean, think about that. If God just says, you know what, we're just going to let sin go on for all of eternity, then that makes heaven not heaven, it makes, makes heaven hell. And so God eventually has to put an end to sin, to the sinfulness that exists in this world, so that heaven will exist, and because of his holiness. God is holy, he is, he is just, he is loving. If God is not just, I mean, we also are in a society where it seems like, you know, we're always screaming for justice on something. Somebody wrongs us and we want justice. And there is good justice that we have to seek for. We're actually going to do an entire message. I'm going to write a little blog on should the church engage in conversations when it comes to social injustice issues. And and so you're going to hear me talk about that. I'll even do a message on that. But everybody wants justice for themselves. Somebody wrongs you and hurts you in a relationship and, and you get angry and you feel like, man, I, you know, I, I'm right and you're wrong and I deserve justice, right? Everybody wants justice. But then all of a sudden when God is going to exercise his justice and his holiness, all of a sudden God's an enemy, right? You're a bad guy, Lord, for, for putting an end to sin. No, if God is loving and just, then he is going to deal with sin. If he simply turned a blind eye to sin and allowed it to go on for eternity, then he wouldn't be loving and he would not be a just God. Okay, so sin has to get dealt with eventually. And so either we pay for our sins in hell or Jesus pays for our sins on the cross. But either way, sin is going to be dealt with. In order for heaven to exist and because of God's holiness, because of his love, and because of his justice. Right? But the type of fear that Solomon is talking about here is more of a fearful awe of the Lord that a believer should have. He's talking about uh, the, those of us who are believers. We need to have this kind of fear. Right? And, it, and it's a type of fear where we're not afraid that, that God is going to condemn us or crush us because Christ paid for our sins on the cross. But we are more afraid that we're going we're gonna to hurt the heart of God with our sin. See, that's the fearful awe, right? It's that we don't want to hurt the heart of God. It's, it's, it'd be like, uh, just to give you a little illustration, it'd be like if I were to take a, you know, a, a Ming Dynasty vase that is thousands of years old worth millions, and I were to place it in your hands here today, then you'd be kind of, oh, man, this is pretty cool and all over that, right? You know, man, this is cool. But, but you'd also be a bit terrified, right? Well, what's the fear of? You are not afraid that that vase is going to crush you. You're not afraid that that vase is going to hurt you. You're afraid that you're going to hurt it. You're afraid that you're going to drop it and hurt it. In a similar way, we are to have such a fearful awe over the Lord, not that the Lord is going to hurt us, but that we are going to hurt the Lord because he's priceless to us. And we don't want to hurt him. We don't want to hurt him with our sin by doing things that are displeasing and dishonoring to him. This is really about pleasing God. See, we should want to live our lives in such a way that it pleases God, that it brings glory and honor to God in everything that we do. 
We should want to please God in, in, in the job decisions that we make, the career decisions that we make, you know, where we live, where we move, you know, the, the sports that we are a part of, the athletics that we are a part of, the extracurricular activities that we're a part of, the everyday interactions that we should have with other people. We should want to please God in those things. We should be living our lives asking ourselves this question, will this decision that I am making today, will it hurt the heart of God or will it please the heart of God? Are the things that I'm saying and doing, Lord, will this hurt your heart or will it please your heart? Jesus displayed his love for us on the cross. And that should motivate us to want to display our love for him with our lives. Look, in our casual culture, and I would even say in our casual Christian culture, It can be very easy for us to neglect the importance of having a fearful awe of the Lord. But Jesus welcomes us as his friends, and we shouldn't be casually neglecting that friendship. Instead, we should desire to serve him with all our lives out of sheer joy, love, appreciation, and awe over who he is and what he did for us on the cross. Solomon is saying, only then will you truly experience the beginning of wisdom. He's saying only when you have a relationship with God will you be able to truly experience the beginning of wisdom. Why? It's because your relationship with God and how you view God, the things you believe about God, will affect the way you view reality and the very decisions that you make in everyday life. If you do not have a relationship with God, you will be out of touch with reality if you don't have a relationship with the God who created this reality. You will have a distorted view of reality that will lead to leading a a distorted life. You may think things are okay in your life for now, but it is a distorted view of reality. You will make um, unwise decisions based upon a distorted view that you have of reality, and it's going to lead to destruction. Listen, nobody knows reality better than God. Nobody knows reality, my reality, your reality regarding the situations that you're dealing with in life, better than the God who created this entire reality that we live in. Solomon is saying that uh, in order to grow in our wisdom and our knowledge of this reality, we have to have a relationship with God. And to think we can live this life otherwise without God is foolishness. This is what he's going to tell us next. Verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. See, here's what Solomon is saying. He is saying that there's really only two ways to walk through life, only two ways to really face the realities of life. You either choose to walk with God or you choose to walk without God. You either choose to walk this life and face the realities of this life with God or you choose to walk this life and face the everyday realities of life without God. And he says it's foolishness if you think you can go through everyday life, face the everyday realities of life without God. If you believe that there is a God who created this universe, that there's a God who created this reality that we're living in right now, and yet you reject him or you treat him casually, it isn't just um, sinful, or it isn't isn't just um, sinful, it's foolishness, right? Solomon is saying it's foolishness because you will have a distorted view of reality that will lead to distorted, unwise decisions that will lead to a destructive life. It's not going to work out well for you. So many of us are, are going through life right now 
um, feeling crushed by the weight and the pressures of of trying to live our lives, um, finding wisdom and joy in something other than God. Too many of us are going through life like that. Maybe not for a Christian, maybe it's not on a weekly basis for you, but it's on a daily basis. And on a daily basis, we find ourselves trying to find wisdom and joy in other things rather than, than God himself. If God is not the one you are in awe of, if God is not the one who is the, the person that you primarily trust more than anything else in your life, then you will find something else to have awe in. You will find something else to trust in that will distort your reality and will eventually crush you. We find ourselves pursuing all these different things in life that we think if we grab a hold of them, if we have them, it's going to increase our wisdom and joy. You know, if, you know, so we'll, we'll find ourselves pursuing you know, our career, successfulness in career, or more money, or, or our reputation, trying to uphold our reputation, or popularity, or people-pleasing. Because we believe a distorted reality. We believe that if we have those things, then then it will bring us more wisdom. It will bring us more joy. It will bring us the happiness that we are pursuing. We have bought into our culture's distorted wisdom, which says that if you want to have happiness in, in, in life, it starts with you following your heart. But you and I both know that that wisdom isn't true because what you are experiencing in your everyday life isn't joy. What you are experiencing is the crushing pressures and the weight of pursuing that distorted view of reality. You know, Proverbs um, chapter, chapter 14, verse 27 says this, The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, steering people away from, from the sneers of death. Think about that, all right? The fear of the Lord Having a relationship with the Lord is a fountain of life. You know what a fountain does? A fountain just keeps flowing with life, right? Steering us away from the sneers of death. Wisdom and joy does not start flowing in your life and in my life by following the culture's distorted wisdom of following your heart. Or let's get all these other things, chase all these other things, pursue all these other things rather than God. No, wisdom and joy in your life will start flowing from having a relationship with the Lord, walking with the Lord, and wanting to align your heart with his heart. Wisdom and joy will start flowing in and through our daily lives when we start to trust Jesus as the fountain of our life, as the fountain of our wisdom and joy for everyday life. All right, so this is the big idea of the message. All right, we have the worship team come on up, and this is the big idea of the message. Wisdom begins with knowing the God of infinite wisdom. All right? Wisdom begins with knowing the God of infinite wisdom. What is it going to be for your life? Okay? How are you going to choose to live your everyday life? You know, ignoring, you know, come to church on Sunday, but let's ignore Jesus come Monday. Live my life without Jesus come Tuesday. Not seek him, not pray to him. Don't think of this as a legalistic manner. Think of this as a way that the Lord wants to grow his relationship with you, his intimacy with you, and allow the fountain of life to flow in and through you in your everyday life. What are you going to choose to do with your life? Are you going to choose to to uh, live this life finding, trying to find greater wisdom and greater joy in, in following your heart and facing the everyday realities on your own? Or are you going to 
follow Jesus Christ and face those everyday realities with Christ? Are you going to choose to walk this life without Jesus in foolishness and in death, or choose to walk this life with Jesus in wisdom, in joy, and an eternal fountain of life that will continue to flow as time progresses? Which will you choose for your everyday life? Let's pray. Jesus, uh, we, we need your wisdom. In the Gospels, you said that one, one greater than Solomon is here. You are the greater king. You are the greater Solomon. You are the greater God who gave us, who, who has greater wisdom. Jesus, I pray that your fountain of life will start to flow in and through us as a church collectively. That people would see City Awakening not as just another church taking up space on a Sunday morning, but that they would see this church as a, per, as a place that has a fountain of life flowing in and through us. As we gather together here, Lord, that we would sing praises to you because of the fountain of life that is flowing through us. That we would worship you because of the fountain of life that is flowing through us. That we would scatter from here spreading your fountain of life and love with those we interact with on a daily basis. Jesus, would you allow your love to flow in and through us this morning and to flow in and through even the heart of the skeptic who's either here with us in the room or watching online. Jesus, steer us away from the sneers of death as we go throughout this week. We love you, Jesus, and it is in your beautiful, precious name that we pray. And we give this final song up to you. Receive it, Lord as our love for you. Amen.